Hello and welcome into another episode of the Lion's Lair. I am your host, John Sauber, and I am joined as always by Kyle J. Andrews. Kyle, how are you doing today? Doing well as always. Just um, you know, grateful to be here like like usual and uh you know talking some more football today. Um uh, we got a lot to get into, right? Yeah, no, we we absolutely do. Uh we have two more depth chart breakdowns to cover. We'll get into wide receivers and tight ends today. Name, image, and likeness uh, will will be approved by the NCA tomorrow. Today's well, we're recording Wednesday afternoon, June 30th. July 1st is when all of this sort of goes into effect. We'll get into that later, but you're right. We got a lot on the docket. Uh, should be a fun show, but, but we'll start with those wide receivers, uh, a position that may have been perceived as a weakness heading into the 2019 season or 2020 season, excuse me, is now perceived as a relative strength. And and I think one of the strongest positions on the team, if not the strongest position at the top on the offense, Uh, have you, you know, have you found any takeaways from what you think this group will be next year, what you think they can do guys that can step up anything you've noticed in particular? Well, I, I think with this wide receiver group, I mean, they, they showed me, they showed me a ton last season that was, um, you know, I mean, it stands out, obviously. I, I think when, when you got guys like, you know, Jahan, Jahan Dotson, what he did last season was, uh, was pretty strong. I mean, like, I, I want to see, I want to see what else he can give you. Um, just in terms of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe if they can get him, just get him the ball in open space, you know, what, what can he accomplish in open space when you get him the ball? Maybe in a Juricic offense, this is what we can see. I'm, I'm really hoping to, um, that we'll, we'll see more of an expanded role from him in terms of just being able to, to make some more of those, uh, you know, home run plays. Um, but that also hinges on Sean Clifford, you know, it, it always does like, we gotta, we gotta realize, like, you know, these receivers are only as good as their quarterback. You know, if their quarterback isn't getting them the ball, it's, you know, it's gonna be kind of a problem. Um, you know, I, I like these young guys too, we, Parker Washington and uh, Keandre, Keandre Lambert Smith too. I mean, they young players, but um, you know, and I, I've also seen what Cam Sullivan Brown can do. Well, I mean. Maybe he'll he'll take more of an increased role this season as well. Um, so it's just something that we kind of have to, you know, wait and see. Um, like I said, Sean Clifford's going to have to accomplish a little bit more, get the ball out, and um, you know, just get it into their hands and open space. And maybe they can do that in Yurisich's offense. Yeah, you're 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 on the money with the Clifford stuff, right? Like. Uh, no matter what this group does, he's got to get them the ball. The The benefit is that that Dotson is so good in space, as you mentioned, that that they can sort of run tunnel screens for him. They can just run these quick routes, get him the ball, and let him go to work. Uh, he he kind of established himself as a, a legitimate true number one wide receiver last year, which I'm, I'm going to be honest, I did not expect, right? Like I thought he was a, a good slot option, would be a reliable target, and he turned into much more than that. He showed – how good of hands he has. He can create separation against the best cornerbacks in the conference, which includes some of the best cornerbacks in the country, might I add. Uh, this, is, this is not a weak conference when it comes to corners. And he took advantage of, of their slightest weaknesses and their slightest mistakes and turned them into big plays. Uh, he showed that in the punt return game last year too. He's, he's right now clearly the team's most dynamic offensive player. 
a guy that should be getting the ball over and over again. Uh, it's just a matter of if they can get it to him. And uh, I, I don't know how easy it's going to be for, for them to scheme things up when, when everyone knows he's the guy, uh, you know, when everyone knows that's, that's the target for your that, that, you know, he wants Clifford to get the ball to, but that could open things up for the other options. Uh, and those other options are good ones. Parker Washington as, as a true freshman was, was excellent last year. Uh, I don't know that anyone could have expected any more from him than, than what he produced. He was, he was the clear number two wide out on the team established that quickly finished as that, uh, you know, 36 catches, 489 yards and six touchdowns is, is nothing to scoff at. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I don't think it's going to be, um, I, I don't think it's, it's going to be just him that is that is relied upon this year to to be a number two guy. I think they have other guys who can step up. I think they have other guys who can who can step into a role and help out. But ultimately, he's he's going to be the one with the biggest workload when it comes to alleviating things, uh, you know, from Jahan Dotson's plate and like Dotson, he's good in the open field. He is a he's a different open field runner, though. He is built like a running back. He can run through guys. Doesn't have the long speed or the, you know, the the ability to break away like Dotson does. But like I said, that that powerful build will help him when he gets into space. Like Dotson, he has ridiculously strong hands. Those guys are, you know, two of the best pure pass catchers that that Penn State has had in recent years, and and they're both, you know playing with a massive advantage because they can go up and get the ball at any point uh, and high point passes with relative ease. So I, I think while, while Dotson's going to be the feature attraction for this team offensively, and he should be, I, I think it's going to be a, a, a wider distribution to some of the other targets. And those guys are like Parker Washington, like Keandre Lambert Smith, like Cam Sullivan Brown, who you mentioned, like, those guys will be able to get involved more this year because as we've seen in Mike Yurisich's offenses in the past, they have, they, they, they've distributed to guys. They don't just focus on one primary target. And I think that's going to play to Penn state's benefit this year. Yeah. And I, you know, who Jahan Dotson, you know, who he reminds me of, he reminds me a lot of uh, Steve Smith senior, like a young Steve Smith senior, you know, he's not the biggest of guys. He's not, you know, maybe the fastest of guys, but he is dynamic and he can, you know, call some, call some problems for guys. I mean, he has great hands, man. I don't um, know that you know, ever be as strong as Steve Smith senior is. To yeah, be fair, not yeah. many are, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Dotson's got that rail thin frame, but I think from a competitive standpoint, like he, you're, you're spot on. Yeah. And that, and that's more or less where it comes from. Cause he, Steve Smith senior, <laughs> like you said, was totally strong. I mean, that guy, could beat guys up. Um, but Jahan Dotson, some of the things that he does on a football field, I mean, he he's a hustler. I mean, that guy does everything that you need him to do. He um, you know, he gets dirty. He he's, you know, the fact that this guy, you know, kind of came on the on the scene last year, had only played you gotta we gotta remember Penn State only had nine games last season. And the fact that, you know, he still had what was it, 800 something yards last year? I mean, that that's ridiculous. It was like, I mean, he averaged 17 yards per catch. That's that's outstanding. Eight touchdowns. Come on now. I mean, to me, he's the guy, he's the guy, a guy that I think can end up on the end, like the end of the season, he ends up on a first team Big Ten list. You know, this is the type of guy that Penn State, you know, seemingly they Penn State, I mean, I to me, 
if I'm a quarterback, why not go to Penn State? You know, because you have these top receivers that come out, come on the scene. You know, you had your Allen Robinsons, you had, you know, multiple other guys, Deshaun Hamilton. Um, you know, all I mean, come on now, it's too many guys. Godwin. Um, I, I just think Penn State receivers. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know what they're feeding these kids. That's the that's the old joke, but. You know, these guys are the truth. Yeah, and, and like you said, there is a there's a clear history here of guys becoming primary targets at Penn State, right? Like the Deshaun Hamilton, like you said, Chris Godwin, uh, KJ Hamler. These guys are number one options on college teams that are uh, as good as you'll find, really. And I, I think the uh, there was probably a lot of consternation about the fact that Jahan Dotson wasn't first team last year. The fact that he was third team from the media and the coaches was – uh, I'm sure a, a talking point and something that he was pretty clearly frustrated about, uh, you know, and, and I think that is only going to motivate him further. Uh, not that he needs a, a ton of motivation. He is, uh, he's highly motivated in his own right. He's, and he proved that last year with how much success he had, but he's going to be out there trying to prove something this year. And it won't be a surprise if he goes over a thousand yards, it kind of would be a disappointment if he didn't at this point, but that, that sort of line of guys that that are clear number one options uh, likely means that that Dotson will be that this year, and then he will likely go off to the NFL, which he could have last year and probably would have been a, a you know a late day two, early day three pick. But now he can improve his stock even more in a weaker wide receiver class and solidify himself as an early day two pick. And I think that could be big for him. Obviously, the earlier, the better. Uh, you know, you go in the NFL draft, putting yourself in position for more success down the line financially and on the field. Uh, but but that also means someone else has to step up when he goes the following year. And I think that's where things get interesting for Penn State. There are a lot of options. Parker Washington will be the guy that teams point to. And I'm about to make the same mistake I did with Jahan Dotson prior to last season. But why not? We'll do it again and see if uh, he proves me wrong like Dotson did. But I don't think Washington is the kind of guy you want as the number one option in your team. Right. He's a perfect complimentary receiver. He, he is, uh, you know, a very good receiver, but I don't know that he will ever have the upside Dotson does because of his lack of uh, speed in the open field, his lack of long speed. Um, he can he can make every catch. That's never going to be an issue. But I just think there are enough weaknesses in his game to maybe relegate him to the, uh, again, a very, very good number two receiver role, which he was as a freshman. And, you know, if he improves his long speed, then like, like Dotson did, then he will likely prove me wrong too. But I think you look down the depth chart and a guy like Keandre Lambert Smith might be more destined for that primary rule or even someone that's sort of been off the radar at this point. Uh, and, and Malik mega could be that guy, right? He is uh, the, the nickname Megatron spelled like his last name, M E I G A G A uh, is not, is not given, you know, uh, lightly. He is a monstrous athlete, six foot four, great length, great catch radius, good hands evolving as a receiver and, uh, and as, as he continues to round his game out, I think he's the kind of guy that that you want as a primary outside option, especially in, in an offense that's going to be as wide open as this, that's going to take some shots down the field, that's going to look to mismatches to try and take it uh, for them to try and take advantage of uh, in space. So there there are going to be plenty of choices uh, to, to step up and fill that rule when Dotson's gone, but Penn State doesn't have to worry about that right now. Uh, there are going to be guys that step up behind Jahan Dotson, Parker Washington, but 
you'd be hard pressed to find a better duo uh, on this team, a pair of starters anyways, that I would feel more confident in than Dawson and Washington, who I think are both going to be great this year in their respective roles and are going to make things easier. Uh, in Mike Yurcich's offense, uh, both both will have the upside to be, you know, the the top duo in the Big Ten, arguably, at wide receiver. All right, so that that's one thing that I that I want to mention about, like, you know, we always talk about how, you know, Penn State guys kind of fly under the radar in terms of offense. I mean, unless they're like tight ends or running backs, it seems like. I mean, sometimes you get those offensive linemen that kind of stand out, but uh, I think in this this offense, they have they have a dynamic guy that kind of flew under the radar at receiver. I mean, with Dotson, and I mean, like you said, maybe maybe Parker Washington, maybe. You know, you make the same mistake that you did last year with Dotson, especially for the fact that you have two guys, you know, you have two guys in the in this conference on this team that are kind of undersized receivers. You know, they don't really have that traditional X wide receiver who's just banging and bruising with people. They have they have two Z's or or Y even, um, you know, guys that are a little bit smaller that you know, maybe, maybe they can do more. It's going to be interesting to see what they, what they can accomplish, especially with the fact that, you know, I guess they're not, you know, I wouldn't necessarily say their, their skill sets are redundant though. And I think that's the difference. Like you can have two, five, 11, five, 10 receivers, as long as their skill sets aren't redundant. And I don't think they have the same skill set. Now I do think, you know, they have other guys that can, do di- different things than uh, Washington. And obviously we, th- we talked about Keandre Lambert Smith, um, you know, Cam Sullivan Brown. I mean, is this the year that he's going to step up and take um, charge and, and, and take over a, uh, you know, possibly start and roll in the offense. Um, so I, I want to see what, you know, maybe, maybe he can take a, a step up and, uh, you know, give them something at the receiver position. So, I just want to see what they what they can do and maybe maybe he gives you something. I don't know. Yeah, I think Sullivan Brown's one of those guys that I mean has just had horrible luck with injuries over the years, right? Like he's he's been penciled in as a starter a few times. He was penned in as a starter last year and just couldn't stay healthy and couldn't get on the field. And if he can't overcome that, then then it probably won't matter, right? Like it it's gonna come down to uh you know, his ability to stay healthy, his ability to stay on the field, what that looks like, uh, you know, from a, a production standpoint, we don't know because we haven't seen it yet from him. Um, but I do think there's there's potential for him to take a step forward and, and add to this offense. Yeah, so I, I think if, if Sullivan Brown is a, a third wide receiver, this is that's an important part for this team, right? Like they they have the top two. They need someone to step up. Lambert Smith does need to add weight, so we don't know if he's necessarily going to be ready from that standpoint. And and like you said, while Dotson and Washington don't overlap, they are sort of similar in size and build. Uh, and and honestly, if, if someone wants to say they overlap, sure, they're both excellent route runners. I would take that at all three wideout spots, at the X, Y, A, and the Z, um, and I'm sure Penn State will too. So uh, I don't think there's going to be too much of an issue there from that uh, from an overlap standpoint. And if there is enough similarity that that uh, you know Washington could fill in for Dotson if need be, uh, that that they wouldn't lose a ton 
um, from from a you know a, a getting open standpoint, but he doesn't have the dynamism in the open field uh, that Dotson does. But yeah, uh, what we're getting at here is that they're going to be really good at wide receiver, right? Like John Dotson's going to be really good. Parker Washington should be good. They should have someone step up because there are plenty of options to step up. I think the real questions, uh, and we'll move on here, is, is is what happens at tight end, right? Like Pat Fryermuth is gone one of the best tight ends in program history leaves as the all-time leader in touchdown uh, receptions for tight end after surpassing Mike Jasicki with his season opening touchdown last year. And now you have a few unproven guys behind him. And I think if you asked most people, they would say Brenton strange will be the starter. He's uh, you know, six, three good athlete, uh, decently strong, good in the open field has good speed, uh, good hands. But I, I don't think this is the way that goes. I, I think Theo Johnson at the end of the day is just too good to keep off the field. I think there are rules for both in this offense, especially with, with strange potentially as an H back instead of a true tight end. But I think Theo Johnson, when all said and done, when fall camp wraps up, is going to be starting game one for Penn state. And it's because he's too good of a receiver. He's, he's got too much size, too much ability to keep off the field. And I think he might already be the best tight end on the roster if, if he isn't by the end of camp. So, uh, you know, there's there's plenty of room for both to grow, but I think Johnson, while he doesn't have a leg up right now because he has less experience, I think at the end of the day he's going to win the competition here, and he's going to be the one that that takes that first snap against Wisconsin. And I like I like Theo Johnson's size. I mean, he he's a it's it's funny too that he's from Windsor, Ontario. You know who else is from Windsor, Ontario? Luke Wilson. So, and not Owen Wilson's brother, obviously, but uh, <laughs> the tight end. You know, yeah. Yes. And so, I mean, he, this Theo Johnson, six foot six, 250 pounds. I mean, he has every single attribute that you will want from a tight end. You know, he's that guy. Um, and I want, I want to see what he can do. I mean, I think that if they use two tight ends in this offense, like you said, you have, you can use Brenton strange as more of an H back. I mean, he's, he's like six, three, two fifty six. Use him more of a as an H back, you know, get creative with this offense. They have some weapons on this offense. And you can get kind of mis- mixed match, I mean, well, mismatchy with this offense. And I, I think that's that's very good for them to have two tight ends that like, okay, I'm comfortable with either one of these guys. I, I think that's you know, that's something that, you know, they've had in the past, but I don't think they've had, you know, two tight ends that are you know, totally different from each other. Cause I, I think these two guys are definitely way, they're significantly different. You know, they might be the same weight just about, but they're definitely different. One more of like kind of a, you know, like I would say like a Kyle Juszczyk ish tight end where, you know, he's, he's kind of a fullback. He's kind of a H back. He's kind of a tight end. That's fine to have as, as long as you also have another tight end that can do the normal you know, tight end duties. Now, you know, you get, you can motion guys like that. I, I tell people all the time, I'm like motioning H backs, you know, creates mi- mismatches on the, on the defensive side. You know, I don't think defenses can keep up as much with all the motions and the creativity that I think Mike Gersich can bring to this offense, especially when you have, you know, two tight ends. I love two tight end sets. I'll, I'll, I'll say that from day one, I love watching two tight ends go out there where one does one thing and then the other one does something totally different and the skill sets, you know, merge together to make, 
you know, something amazing. You know, we've seen this all throughout the NFL. I mean, the NFL loves two tight ends, whether no matter who it is. Um, you know, we've seen it in college where, and I, I think a little bit less in college because so many teams go four or five wide, but I, I love it. I love seeing more tight ends. I love seeing tight ends that, like I said, can complement one another. And this is, this is a perfect example of that. Yeah, and I, I think we're probably going to see a lot of base 11 personnel with, with one tight end out there. But I think you're right. They've got an advantage if they go to 12 personnel because they can go to 12 personnel that looks like 11 personnel. They can put Theo Johnson in the slot. They can put Brenton Strange in the slot. They could put Theo Johnson out wide at the X. Like we talk about them sort of lacking that big body out there. He's a good enough athlete to go out there and be an X receiver, isolated maybe with trips on the other side to give him the advantage of getting potential one-on-one coverage or forcing the defense to shade the safety over to him. And suddenly you've got more space on the middle of the field and the opposite side of the field. So there's, there's a ton they can do here to work these matchups and to work both of these guys into spots where they're both successful this year. Um, I think their success will look different. I think you, you, you were right about Brenton strange. He's, he's going to be in motion a lot. I think we're going to see a lot of motion in this offense period. Like I think motion is a good thing. It, it, it either gets the defense to tell on itself or it gets a mismatch or it gets people off, off sort of off guard and uh, you know, off their center of gravity, forcing them to move pre-snap. But they're, they're going to try and take advantage of those things. And I don't think it would be a surprise to see, like I said, that 12 personnel that looks like 11 personnel. I also don't think it would be that much of a surprise to see them go to standard 12 personnel. Like you said, NFL teams love to do it. I'm a, I think as most people know, I'm an Eagles fan and I see it all the time uh, for better and for worse. I see plenty of 12 personnel. So they, they have the, the, the bodies to do it. It'll be interesting to how much they try to implement it because I think their best option, if a third wideout doesn't step up, it's just sticking Strange and Johnson out there together, right? Like I think it's it's an advantage to have both of those guys be receiving options uh, and 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 be you know talented receivers, talented pass catchers, or maybe we see two running backs. We already discussed the running backs last week, though. You can go back and listen, you know how we feel about those guys. But they could also go to go to twenty one personnel, put two running backs out there, uh, and, and then sort of have two wideouts with with one of those tight ends. So they're going to be in a in a spot where they can take advantage of a lot of things. Theo Johnson is going to be taking advantage of, of cornerback matchups. He's going to take advantage of linebacker matchups of safety matchups. Brenton strange can do the same. Uh, both, both have the ability to, to play some wide out uh, strange. You probably don't want to put all the way on the outside just because he doesn't have, you know, elite size like Theo Johnson does Johnson at around six, six, like a legitimate massive option. I'll be interested, especially in the red zone, if they try and uh, isolate Theo Johnson. And I know nobody wants to see any more fades from Penn State after last year. I know that the the red zone fade and the the, the corner fade to, to Jahan Dotson and Parker Washington and numerous guys who were just not big enough to go get it. Uh, I know that was a, a, a sight for sore eyes last year, and I know a lot of Penn State fans hated it. But I think, and I want to preface this with, I think, in a limited basis, again, a limited basis, throwing fades to Theo Johnson could be a winning formula in the red zone. Uh, it's the same thing as isolating Pat Fryermuth, which they they tried to do in 2019 and, and had some success with. It's the same thing as isolating Mike Jasicki like they did in years past. Uh, it's about taking advantage of that matchup. And 
that's going to be the matchup, right? Like there's not going to be a defender as big as Theo Johnson. And if he can go up and beat guys for the ball in the red zone, you're going to score a lot of touchdowns in the red zone. Now you need to throw their slurs on the money. And you also need to not throw it on every snap because then cornerbacks can sit and wait. And last year, Penn state under Kirk Sharaka, like to throw those corner fades on seemingly every goal line snap. It was, it was maddening to watch at times. Uh, but, but I do think there is room for that in this offense. And I think we could see it because of the versatility of the tight ends this year. Yeah. And I, I, I think that, you know, the, look, if you got a six, six guy that's two fifty on a, on a linebacker, you know, maybe, maybe a safety. I like that matchup every time, especially in the red zone. I mean, if, if they're right there and it's, you know, you're like, it's second and second and like seven or something. And you're on like the 14 throw it, you know, just put it, put it back there and see what you can get out of it. You know, I, that's what I want to see from, from them. Um, and uh, I, I think that Theo Johnson with his sides, you know, why can he do that? You know, why can't he just bully smaller uh, defenders? You know, why can't he do that? And then not only that, but you have, you have, you have Brenton strange who, I think even even if you get him a little bit more involved, maybe have them kind of I, I mean, maybe not just a fade, but like you have them kind of work in conjunction with one another. Maybe you kind of bunch them together and have them work routes off of one another. Or you use one of your receivers to work a route off of one of the two of them, you know, and I, I think that when you have that that combination between speed and, uh, you know, and power. And size, I mean, between all those all those groups and, uh, you know, personnel that they have, I think that that's that's the perfect kind of, uh, you know, combination for success. Now, like like we said before, this all hinges on Sean Clifford. If Sean Clifford has it together and, you know, he doesn't miss a beat and he looks better in practice and they, they figure, you know, some of the stuff out, maybe they work on on these things that we're talking about here and then they actually apply it to the game. So we got to see what happens with him. First and foremost, he's the engine that makes this car run. So if, if he's not on his game, on his game, then, you know, the receivers may not be on their game as much as they could be. Yeah. And I think that's the benefit of the tight ends too, right? Like there's, there's a greater margin for error when you're just, chucking the ball up to Theo Johnson and letting him go do the work than there is when you're trying to find Parker Washington in the middle of the field. So you can, it's a way to take advantage of the matchup, but it's a way to sort of mitigate some of the weaknesses at quarterback. Um, I, I think Sean Clifford needs to be uh, better this year than he was last year. I think he would probably agree with that. I think he needs to be more consistent, uh, you know, with his footwork as we discussed in the past, but more importantly, he needs to, he needs to just get his guys the ball, right? Like the, he he doesn't have to make every play. He doesn't need to be a top five quarterback in the country. He just has to be a good starting quarterback, a, a competent starting quarterback who can distribute the ball well to, to the weapons he has on the outside, who can find his running backs on, on screen passes, who can, who can hit guys in the middle of the field and let them go to work because they're going to have those advantages and they're going to have them in a bunch of places this year. And, and tight end is, I think, just another one of those spots that, that they're in a they're in a position to to take advantage of it week in and week out because like you said, safeties and linebackers can't cover Theo Johnson. You'd be hard pressed to find many corners that can go up with Theo Johnson that wouldn't get boxed out by him and just you know sort of lose that rebound battle in the corner of the end zone so to speak. So they're they're going to have those advantages uh, 
I think no matter who they play, like I can't imagine them going into a match and going, "Uh oh, he's going to guard Theo Johnson out there." Yeah, and it's nothing more that I like than a double cross from a two tight end set. You know, you run you run crossing routes with with tight ends over the middle of the field. I mean, this is going to be good for first downs. Like you pick up first downs on these short, efficient passing, the short, efficient passing game. So. Like we said before, maybe Yurisic is the key to Sean Clifford's success because he's going to get him the ball out quicker, you know, and and what does that hinge on as well? Having good tight ends. You have good tight ends that can run solid routes and you're motioning guys all over the place, a la uh, Matt Canada back in the day with the with the uh, with with the um, Terps. I mean, I, I think that, you know, that that kind of. You know, mismatch of, uh, you know, game calling. I mean, that, that's going to be perfect for them with 12 personnel out. You know, it's going to it's going to be interesting to see what they have, uh, especially considering the fact that, you know, who knows how anybody's going to be able to match up against these guys. And and the fact that of the matter is that, you know, they're going to, like I said before, if you have if you have two guys that bring two different skill sets and then you add them with the receivers as well. I mean, come on now it's possibilities with this offense that, you know, we probably haven't seen before. And maybe that makes Sean Clifford a better quarterback, especially, you know, knowing that he can trust in these guys to make plays. Yeah. And, and I think the, the concept you brought up earlier is an excellent point. When you have two tight ends that both have receiving abilities, even if they're different receiving abilities uh, and you can put, guys who aren't used to covering like linebackers in conflict, make them make decisions, make them react to things, put them in spaces where they're uncomfortable, sort of run them into each other on those crossing routes. Then again, another formula for success. Like this is just a, another way that they can take advantage of the defense. So tight end is, is while the, there is less certainty around tight end than there has been in years past. I think there is some level of certainty and the fact that they're going to have an advantage. We just don't know what it's going to look like completely yet because we haven't seen a ton from Strange and Johnson thus far, but they're going to be, or should be anyways, in a good place this season. And, and I think Johnson's the next guy that can take that step forward and carry the torch from Jasicki to Fryermuth to, to himself. Uh, but yeah, I, I, receiving options galore for this team, basically the point. But uh, one of the, one of the options as I, you know, very poorly transitioned to name, image, and likeness stuff uh, is is that these guys are going to have options now financially. Uh, we are we are in a new era of college athletics. We are in an era that I think we talked about earlier today. We haven't seen before, and we kind of don't know what to expect and and how this is going to roll out and how how many guys, how much they're going to get, what they're going to get. Like we just don't know what this is going to look like, but. Uh, the NCA is allowing players to make money off of their name, image, and likeness beginning tomorrow, July 1st. Uh, Pennsylvania, I believe, uh, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf signed into law uh, a bill today allowing uh, or setting parameters or allowing, I haven't fully read the bill yet, uh, that to happen as well. So what do you think this looks like? Like, I know we're, we're, we're sort of shooting at the hip here, right? Like, neither of us knows. Like, nobody knows. None of us have seen this before. Um, but what do you think this look like looks like and how do you think adding name image and likeness benefits will will help or, or hurt Penn State I think it'll help especially for the fact that people around here really do care about college football a ton you know maybe maybe in I think places where 
your town isn't really fueled by college football, you know, it won't, especially like the, the teams that play in cities. I think that's going to be a little bit tougher for them to kind of, well, I mean, maybe it might not be tougher for them to market depending on how good the college football team is, but you know, like, like a Boston college, they're not going to be able to market as well. I don't think as, you know, another school where the focus is college football and, and, and at state college, the focus, the complete focus is college football and the complete focus is on college athletics as a whole. Um, you don't have that. And, and I mean, it's other cities don't have it to that extent. And I think that's going to help them a ton um, with Penn state. I think that's also going to help other places like Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, I think that's going to help uh, places in like Columbus, Ohio, obviously. I don't, I don't um, think so they needed any extra help. They don't, they don't need any extra help. I mean, Michigan might need some help, but At I, at this point, it seems like I'd, I'd argue that Penn state is, Ohio State's real rival now. I wouldn't say Michigan is, but it's a discussion for another day that we'll we'll get <laughs> all sorts of route up, and we'll get a lot of people all sorts of route up. Uh, but I think but, I, I think that's mostly right about the you know the the small college towns benefiting the most. I also think there's a chance that while these places sort of you know adore college athletics and adore college football, uh, that you know these businesses are more willing to to you know sort of get get one of these guys as a spokesperson or whatever get you know give them brand apparel get them to to sponsor or whatnot i i think i think there's going to be a benefit for bigger areas too right uh, i don't necessarily mean like the boston colleges of the world which is a, a a smaller power five program to be to be blunt uh but i think places that are in big cities could also see a benefit because there's just more right there are more businesses there are more ventures there's more exposure uh and so we could see colleges that are near bigger cities blossom because of this. Uh, now we, again, we, we kind of just don't know. Uh, we, we don't know how this is all going to play out, but I do think Penn state is going to have the advantage of sort of a rabid fan base, a large alumni network that I think will absolutely get these guys involved that will absolutely, you know, get them financial help. Uh, I, I I'm curious to see what these amounts look like, right? Like I have, I've saw uh, Jonathan Giovanni uh, of, of ESPN. He's an NBA draft analyst. Sort of uh, say that that some of these figures we're going to see are going to get toward G League Ignite money and G League Ignite money, which for those who don't know, that's the avenue that amateur players can take to they can play there for a year instead of going to college and playing basketball. They can play for the G League Ignite in the the G League and uh, you know get paid to do it. That money's over five hundred thousand dollars. Like if that's what some guys are getting, like this is, it's going to get crazy. Like it, it, it has the potential to get crazy and this could really change some things. It could sort of help some programs rise from the ashes. It could push teams like Penn state closer into the playoff conversation than they, than they were. Now the playoff expanding will do that in its own too. But I think this is going to be uh, a game changer across all of college athletics and in the Olympic sports too. Cause now, especially in Olympic year, those athletes can, can make money think this is better for the athletes they're going to be able to make money off of the the work they're putting in because being a d1 athlete is pretty much a full-time job to go with being in school which is not easy uh, but i think this could change the the scheme of things and it, like i said it'll impact things at a broader level and, and it'll be interesting to watch um but but i think that's a that's a good place to wrap here we we've talked a lot about pass catchers today we talked a lot a little bit there at the end about what's coming next and 
you know, I wish we could expand more, but it's hard to expand more when you just don't know how it's going to go. But I'm sure we'll be talking about name, image, and likeness stuff in, in the, the coming weeks as we get closer to season two. Uh, but that'll do it for this week's episode of The Lion Slayer. Uh, you can find all of Kyle and I's writing at centerdaily.com. You can subscribe to the Center Daily Times at centerdaily.com backslash sports podcast at a discounted rate. Uh, you can find every episode of The Lion's Lair on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, wherever you find podcasts, you can find this one. Please rate, review, subscribe wherever you are listening. Uh, feel free to send us you know, feedback, um, you know, any sort of uh, information you want to send us at jsauber at centerdaily.com or kandrews at centerdaily.com. You can find Kyle on Twitter at, at KyleJAndrews underscore and me at, at John Sauber. Thanks for tuning in and have a great day.